If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, the New Testament book of Mark. This morning we will be in chapter 4, and we are going to read together verses 1 to 34. If you're a guest with us, we are working our way verse by verse through the book of Mark, watching Jesus on the move. There's a lot of action in the book of Mark, but in chapter 4, things slow down, and we get to hear from the king himself as he shares his stories. And that's what we're going to look at in the big picture this week. And we're going to dig deeper into some of these stories in the weeks to come. But with all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 34 together. This is the word of the Lord. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. You cannot please everybody, no matter how hard you try. You can see this in a lot of different areas of life. But as we're reading the king and his stories, look at our own stories. Look at some of the most popular stories that we tell today. You cannot please everyone. Star Wars fans are the worst at this. Because of the original classics, anything Star Wars related that comes out today is is compared to the original trilogy. And Star Wars fans have their opinions and they make them known loud and clear. And when the latest Star Wars movie comes out, you have all kinds of responses And no matter how hard the director tries, no matter how great the action is, no matter how great the surprises are in the movie, there are going to be some Star Wars fans who think it is the greatest thing that has ever happened since Luke Skywalker. And there are going to be some Star Wars fans who hate it and want the director to be fired and want the movie to be written off as if it had never been made. When you make a Star Wars movie, friends, you cannot please everybody. You could see this in a lot of other places in life. But when we turn to Jesus, the king, as he's on the move in Mark, and he proclaims his story, the gospel of the kingdom, we see the same thing happening. Even Jesus' story cannot please everybody. There's all kinds of responses. That's what chapter 3 was about. And if if you just go back and look at chapter 3 at a broad view, you can see this. The crowds are following him so that they can get what they want, what they need. Jesus' family tries to stop him, tries to distract him, redirect him because they think he's crazy. He's gone too far. The scribes and the Pharisees hear the story. And they write Jesus off as demonic. They think he's part of the evil side of things. And so they plan to kill him. But there's the 12 who were called into fellowship, called to be a part of a mission. And at the end of chapter 3, they're sitting at Jesus' feet. And so as the king tells his story... We see you can't please everybody, and there's all kinds of responses. And the question that Mark is trying to bring up inside of you is this. Why don't more people follow Jesus? He's the king. As great as he is, as amazing as the miracles he performs are, why aren't more people repenting and believing? If, as he says, he's the king who is invading, 
who is plundering the enemy, if his mission is to, to rescue captives, why aren't more people coming out of captivity? If he's God, why doesn't he get better results? And chapter 4, with Jesus' stories, answers the question with a series of parables. It's one of only two chapters in Mark where Jesus teaches. And Jesus uses these stories to knock you off your balance. These stories are, are written so that you are turned upside down. Even in the way Jesus tells these stories, he's proving he's the king. We've said all along in the book of Mark that the word kingdom means that God has the right to reign. Well, a parable is a kingdom story that shows that Jesus is the one who has the right to tell the story the way he wants to tell it. That's what a parable is for. And Mark puts all of it together with one more big sandwich. Now, if you were here in chapter 3, you saw Mark's mission sandwich. I need to be clear because my kids were confused the first time. This isn't a real sandwich. We're not going to be eating any sandwiches together. But Mark puts these things together in a specific way. If you have your Bible, you can see this again. You can see what Mark is doing. In verses 1 to 9 in chapter 4, he starts out with the story of the four soils, what we often call the parable of the sower. And then Mark inserts in the middle, an explanation. They're, they're away from the crowd now. In verses 10 to 12, we get the reason Jesus uses parables. And then in verses 13 and following, he brings the parable back and explains it. And so the top bun is the story. The middle, the meat, which is what Mark is trying to do, is the reason Jesus tells the story. And then the bottom bun is Jesus explaining the parable. You need to see that because what we're going to do today is bypass the story and we're going to look at the meat. We're going to look at verses 10 to 12 and the reason that Jesus uses parables. Because over the next several weeks, what we're going to be asking is what are the reasons people do not respond to Jesus? Why don't more people respond to Jesus in the book of Mark? And if we look at verses 10 to 12, we'll see the first reason. And it's this, friends. It's going to knock you off your balance. You're not ready for it. God's plan for Jesus demands rejection. The reason more people don't respond to Jesus in the book of Mark is because it is part of God's plan for people to reject him. It won't work unless Jesus is rejected. We see this in verses 10 to 12, and we're going to unpack it today. Verse 10, let's read it again. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus and the disciples get away from the crowd. It's time for private instruction. It's time for the small group study to go on. And the disciples are murmuring with one another before the class begins. What was all about that story of the four soils? 
What is that? What is that? And this, this lamp? Who puts a lamp under a basket? Are you kidding me? What, what's, go, what's Jesus doing here? And Jesus knows the confusion among his disciples, and he, he tells them what he's doing. He explains himself, and he says, two things happen when I teach. The first, for the people who believe in me, I give them the gospel. In verse 11, you'll see, he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom. The word secret in the original language is the, is the word mystery. It's a Bible buzzword. We've looked at it before together. When, when the Bible talks about mystery, it's not a puzzle to solve. It's not a detective novel. As we saw in the book of Colossians, a mystery in God's word is something that is eternally true, something that is sovereignly hidden, and something that is graciously revealed. It is eternally true. It's always the case. It is always the truth, but it is hidden from people's eyes so that it could be revealed by grace. And a secret is something that no one can understand on their own. When Nebuchadnezzar was trying to figure out his dream, Daniel told him that no wise man was going to be able to explain it. But the good news was, in Daniel 2.28, that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And so there is a givenness to a mystery. There is a, a gift of grace. And Mark is showing us that these confounding stories that knock us off our balance about seeds and lamps are how Jesus reveals the secret. It's how Jesus reveals the reign of God to his people. And so what these stories are supposed to do is show you that our perspective is not God's perspective. And they're supposed to help us understand God's reign, God's kingdom, from his eyes, from the way he sees it. And that's why over and over again, Jesus is saying, listen, if you have ears to hear, hear, because you're not expecting this. Let me show you how God sees this. But there's another thing that happens when Jesus teaches, and none of us would expect it. Jesus says that for those who reject him, the parables, the stories he tell, keep the mystery hidden. He quotes Isaiah to explain it in verse 12. You see in verse 12, Mark says, I say these things in parables so that, here's the intention, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. When we're getting ready to go on a mission trip, we love to quote Isaiah, send me, I'll go. But do you know what mission he was sent on? It's verse 12. God sends Isaiah on a mission to preach to people who will not listen. He's a faithful prophet whose mission will end in what looks like failure. That's his mission. If, if you knew that was your mission, would you still say, send me, I'll go. I'm ready for failure. But that's what Isaiah was signing up for. And interestingly, what we see here is that what was true for Isaiah is true for Jesus. He's signing up 
for people to reject him. That's why in Luke 10, verse 21, Luke writes, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So Jesus uses his parable so that the unbelieving would continue to reject him. Verse 12. Now, I'm sure you're asking, why? This doesn't sound like Jesus. Why would he do it? He tells the story so they won't get it? God has a plan for Jesus, right? What is it? What is God's plan for Jesus? What is happening right now in the story of Mark? You know the end of the story. And Jesus makes it explicit in the book of Mark in chapter 8, verse 31. He says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. God's plan for Jesus is the cross, right? This was the plan all along. What happens, friends, if everyone hears the parable of the sower and accepts Jesus right there? What if revival breaks out when Jesus gives the parable of the lamp and everyone comes forward and confesses and believes in Jesus? What happens then? No cross. What happens if there's no cross? If there's no cross, Jesus accomplishes nothing. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 to 8, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul says if they understood the story, the cross never would have happened. What that means, he makes clear in the chapter on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, you can't be raised unless you die. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So big picture, do you see why the secret had to be hidden? Why people had to be kept from understanding what Jesus was saying? That's why when someone does get it in the book of Mark, Jesus tells them to be quiet. Don't tell anyone. Don't spread the news yet. I've not died yet. The story doesn't end there, though. The good news is that Jesus accomplished God's plan for him. That's why in Acts chapter 2, verse 23 to 24, Peter says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus was rejected by God's plan so that you could be accepted. 
Before time began, God wrote the story that his son would be hated so that you could be loved. Isaiah 53, verse 3, we've already sung this. This is how you, it's in you. Isaiah said, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. In verse 10, Isaiah says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. From before time began, friends, this is the story God was writing. God was writing this perfect story that his son would be rejected so that you could be brought into the kingdom. You could be brought into the family. Brothers and sisters, have you been made new? Have you been a brought into this family of God? Have you repented of your sins, turned from your sins, and put your trust in what Jesus Christ did according to God's great plan? He died on the cross in your place because you rejected him. Jesus died for you and rose again from the grave so that if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And the good news of the gospel is in Romans 10, 13, Paul tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The time for things to be hidden is over. The doors are open. Friends, do not leave today without calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the secret has been revealed. Romans 16, verse 26, Paul says, The mystery that was kept secret for long ages has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Such good news. I want to ask you this as we, as we think about these parables together over the next few weeks. What does, what does these truths teach us about our king? Our king who would use these stories in such a way at the, at the time to bring the gospel to those who would believe and to even hide it from those who reject him so that he could die for you, so that he could make you a part of the story. What does that say about him? And friends, that we need to think about these things. First, it shows us that our king is sovereign. Our king is sovereign. Ephesians 3 verse 11, Paul says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's not only sovereign, our king is wise. His plans are wise. Romans 11, verse 33 to 34, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Our king is gracious. He's not just sovereign. He's not just wise. He is kind and gracious to us to make us a part of this story. 
Colossians 1, verse 27, Paul says, To him, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what these stories are meant to show you. That you may not understand your story all the time, but our king is sovereign. Our king is wise. Our king is gracious. And no matter what happens in our story, those things never change. What would happen if you embraced those truths in, in your core? What would, what would you, how would your life look different if you really embraced those truths? truths. When your life, when your story takes a turn you do not expect, you need a king like this. A lot of us keep God in little boxes and hold up a God who can only do so much and tries his best. And sometimes life gets away from him. And when tragedy strikes and hard things happen and our stories go different ways, we are left confused and distraught and hopeless because we do not have a king that we can look to. Friends, no matter what you face, Jesus is in control. No matter what is going on in your story, Jesus knows what he is doing. No matter what happens to you, Jesus gives you more than you deserve. And so no matter what you deal with tomorrow, you can still bless his name. You can still worship your king because you know who he is. Friends, what these stories are calling us to do is this, recognize Jesus is not just the king who has the freedom to tell these stories. Jesus is the king who has the freedom to tell your story. So when your story doesn't make sense, trust your king. Trust the storyteller. He is the author and perfecter of life. He is the author of salvation. You can trust him to be your author. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How should this view of God, this storyteller king, shape the way you hear from him? And that's the point. Ten times in chapter four, ten times, the word hear is used. How do we hear him? Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When you open this book, whether it's privately in a time of, of reading between you and the Lord, whether it's in a small group and you're discussing the Bible, or it's at a sermon on a Sunday like this, how do you hear? Do you open this book thinking you already know it? Like you already know the story? You know every detail? You're not going to be thrown off balance? You already know the God of this book completely? 
and you maybe just need a refresher? Or do you come ready to hear from the king who is sovereign and wise and can knock you off balance in a moment's notice with one single word could change your entire life? Does his word have the authority to shock you? Does his word have the authority to challenge you? Brothers and sisters, come to the word ready to be knocked off your feet. Remember how great and awesome your king is every time. Come to him in prayer before you open the book, before you sit down to a Bible study, before you sit down to a sermon. God, show me who you are. Give me ears to hear. The, the stories that we're going to read the next few weeks are going to show us how dangerous it is to come to these moments with the word open as if we already know. Without an openness, without a receptive heart, we may think we hear, but Jesus is calling us for a reason. Listen. If you have ears to hear, listen. Hear me speak. But when you recognize Jesus is sovereign, wise, and gracious, you cannot open this book and leave unchanged. Our world, though, we just listen to those who agree with us, right? And many of us operate that same way. We only sit down to coffee with those who live like us. We only watch the news channels that agree with our perspective. We only talk to people who talk the way we talk. We just want to listen to people who will echo back our own thoughts. And friends, listen, the church tries to do that with God. And we only want to hear what we already believe. And Jesus is using these parables to show us that that is impossible. As David Garland writes, we need to be willing to risk seeing God with new eyes. And so, friends, I want to challenge you, no matter how long you've been in church, over the next few weeks, I want your prayer to be, God, give me new eyes and show me who you are. Show me your kingdom in a way I've never seen it before. James 1, verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And based on what Jesus says, everyone's going to respond. Some are going to receive and some are going to reject. But friends, don't let that throw you off. The king's plan for his people will not fail. And when he's finished writing the story, Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As we wait for him, as we wait for that day, and his word still speaks, let us listen to the king. Let's pray.